But let's let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for this time together. I thank you for thank you for just being able to worship together with your people. Lift up your voice, your your name, uh, your goodness, and and Father, I just pray, Father, would you speak to us today? I got some stuff here, but God, we really would rather it's you we want to hear from. And we just again, like we had prayed earlier, Lord, that the, those issues and people that are concerning us right now, we lay them at your feet. You're more than able. Now, Father, I open my heart, my mind to hear what you're saying uh, in this day, in this hour, in Jesus' name. Everybody said. <clears throat> so, I want to know, do you want to know how to get the most out of your life? Come on. No, let's try it again. Do you want to know how to get the most out of your life? Come on. Yeah, man. All right. We're supposed to be Pentecostal, so we're supposed to be verbal a little bit more. All right. Do you want to know how to live a life that really matters? Anybody? Yeah, yeah right, right. How about you want to make your life really count? Anybody? Any takers? Yeah, I want my life to count, right? Do you want your life to count? Okay. Do you want to live your best life now? Now, there's a book that was written on that, but I'm not going down the theme of that particular book. But I believe today, you and I have the chance to live our best life now in a biblical perspective. And the way we do that is give it away. That's how you live your best life. If you want to have your Bibles, look at Mark chapter 8, verse 34. A few verses there, Mark eight thirty four through thirty eight. This is this passage in in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, almost identical. In those three, I hear pages turning. Okay, eight thirty four through thirty eight. <clears throat> there, say amen. Okay, that's good enough. Right. It says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Who is he talking to? Right, his disciples. He's talking to his people who believe in him. He's not talking to lost people, rebellious people, sinners. He's talking to his own. If, all right, so if you want to follow me, you want to come after me, he says you have to deny yourself. The word deny means to forget oneself. It means to lose sight of yourself, to lose, to, uh, uh, lose sight of your own interest, to really deny yourself. All of a sudden, you're not in the picture anymore. That's really what it means. If you want to follow me, I could put it this way. If you want to have the best life you could ever live in this life, then deny yourself. Forget about yourself in, in, in this context. Take up your cross. Cross is a symbol of death, isn't it? They knew exactly what he was talking about. This was, this was a, a willingness. It's not like some people just fall asleep, uh, fall, you know, kind of just die in their sleep. They go to sleep and they never wake up. Personally, that would be a fine with me if that's how it goes. Lord, may it be quick or may it be you coming back and taking us out of here. I, you know, 
we don't get to choose that so much. But, but when he says, take up your cross, he is pointing to their willingness not, not just to forget their own personal interests and, and, try to, and how to make their life, you know, whatever they want. He's saying, are you, be willing to even to go to the extent that you will suffer for me should you be called to do that. And then follow me. And that word literally means to, to get alongside with me. Come alongside with me and go the direction I'm going. He goes on. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is that, what do they call the, um, the gospel? It's, it's a re- reversed, there's a, there's a phrase for it, I forget. But, you know, if you want to really have a great life, die. You know, in this world, live. You know, the old, the old Bud commercial, grab all the gusto you can. I think that was Bud, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, live your life all you want. But God says, die to yourself and just live for me only. And you'll find real life. You know, you want to receive? Well, how about if you give? And guess what? Then you'll receive, you know. And, and so many of these things um, uh, that the way the world gets it, you go after it. The way, the way God goes at, says to go after it, you Deny yourself of it, and, and God will take care of these things. And he goes on. He says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? My concern for my brother right now. He's lived for himself for 66 and a half years. And uh, he's put stuff in his body he shouldn't have, and now he's living the, he's in the consequences. I just got a text that's, if you saw me reading my phone, I was a text from my mom. I wasn't checking anything else. But there's, 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 he had a stroke. Some of you know yesterday morning, like I said, and, and it's possible that there could be some positive things, slow but, but changes. But you're at this time in your life, and you've given it all to yourself, and what do you got left? And he's not going to die. He's going to, he's going to surrender his life to Jesus because I know. I know he is. If he hasn't kind of already done that in, his, in, that, in those moments we were talking and right as they were ushering him out to surgery, he was very aware of eternity and his need for God. And I'm just praying. Um, and, that, and then before I left yesterday morning, he was... In, he was you probably, uh, no doubt he could hear me, but he couldn't really open his eyes and he was in di- really distress off, up and down. But I just shared with him sinner's prayer, scripture, you know, and uh, um, so we'll keep believing. But what? That's not living. That's not your best life. The best life you and I can live is by surrendering it to Jesus. Why? Because this isn't the end of the road. This is actually just, I don't know, on-ramp to glory. You're right? And so the more we take this life and invest it in things that are on the other side, the greater will be our reward. The, the more we're able to get rid of and, and 
give our life for him and his purposes, no matter what that looks like to other people around here, God knows this for him. And as Urban Luther says, I'll quote this, he says, you don't even have to, you don't have to win in this life to win in eternity. Right? You don't have to win the battles and, and be, you know, and, and those who come after you and try to persecute you, persecute you or cancel you or all those things. And that, you know, you, you, it could look like on the outside, like, like wickedness and evil won. But you stood strong and you, uh, you, you are the ultimate victor up there because uh, in that. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and yet profit, uh, forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Really, you're standing there. What's left? There's nothing. And he says this, verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. We... Any doubt that maybe we're living in a sinful and adulterous generation? I mean, it's, it's like it's been put on overdrive. Going down a hill, greased, you know, real, you know, just plummeting. And there's a whole lot out there to tell you, you better be quiet or we'll call you a name or we'll cancel you. Or we'll, we'll label you we're, and all these things. This is not the time for the church or the followers of Jesus to be ashamed of Christ or his, what's that? His words. His truth. This is the time the truth needs to be shine forth um, without apology. Um, uh, We've got one shot at this life, right? So how about if whatever we've got left, let's give it all to him. Not in uh, preaching to the choir, but, 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 but let's to understand what that means. We'll not be ashamed to call ourselves Christians, uh, nor will we be ashamed of the teachings of, of the Word of God, the values presented there, the principles, the relationship guidelines and, and, and truths and commands. Um, uh, God said that he created male and female, and that's all he made, right? So it's going to be okay. That's all there is. And um, uh, not, not be ashamed of that. To say that homosexuality is a, is a destructive uh, lifestyle, a, dis- a sinful, uh, a- adulterous, fornication-type behavior that destroys the person. That's why we love the person, because we recognize what sin does to the person made in the image of God. Amen? We hate, even to hate that sin, because we recognize the lives it destroys and drags people into a Christless eternity. And so, um, we would choose not to be silent. Silence is compliance. In, in, In a culture that is just embracing the big lie after the big lie, for us to be silent is to be compliant. To not to speak is to speak, as has been said in the past. And not to oppose and stand up when, when the opportunity is to actually lend uh, a supportive hand. And so, with all that's going on, all the disturbing things that's going on, can you realize we have an opportunity to truly live our best life now? 
the best life that makes the, the greatest difference that really matters, that will matter for you and I. Uh, because when we, this life is over, we'll recognize the only thing that matters is what we did here uh, in light of eternity. We, we, we're not storing up riches on earth, right? But riches in heaven. Because um, uh, we recognize that, that God cannot be mocked, right? Galatians, I think Galatians 6. A man reaps what he sows. So let's sow to the kingdom of God. I'd like to reap from that harvest. How about you? And to whatever degree we're sowing in this world, sowing to our own natural desires or, or sinful desires and pleasures, or sowing to try to please people, it's time for us to repent of that big time. Turn away from that because this world needs a church that is not confused about who they are or who their God is, who, who know Him and He knows us and He wants to be with us so that when we share the truth of God with people we, or we lay hands on people, He's actually there and doing what we can't do. Amen? It's about his presence. Amen? <clears throat> Turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 25. <clears throat> Part of the Sermon on the Mount. Very familiar passage. This is the English Standard Version. <clears throat> Where the NIV and others put the word worry, uh, the English Standard Version puts the word anxious. And so we're going to use that word today. <clears throat> he says, Jesus is teaching. This is the part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you would drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. <clears throat> Look at the. Excuse me. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and they peck on the side of my house. <laughs> Sorry. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? <clears throat> Why is he telling the people not to be anxious? Why is he telling them? Let's go on. He goes, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? I had somebody tell me um, <clears throat> at one point um, to not get on an airplane because God said it was going to crash. And I said, I'm not leaving here till God says I'm leaving here. So I'm getting on that airplane unless God tells me not to. And I'm still here, so it worked fine. Right? You can't even... To, to worry about your life, to worry about those things. Obviously, we take, we take proper measures to, to, to be safe and take care of our bodies and those things. But at the end of the day, my life is in his hands, and he, it's, not, it's not ending until he says it's done. Amen? So I don't worry about, about those kind of things. <clears throat> he goes on, and why are you anxious? Again, third time, the word anxious or worry. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, which will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he's kind of chiding them a little bit. When we're stressing about our daily provision and these kinds of things, 
especially in light of, of knowing what's going on around in our world today that, that is going to that is currently affecting us and is going to increase. He says, I don't want you to be anxious about these things. You see, understand that Jesus knew that the, the, the disciples he was speaking to, it wasn't too far down the road and they would face difficult times because of their faith. So he's saying, I don't want you to start worrying about these secondary things. I got it. And so what's the solution? He goes on um, in verse 31. Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. And here is the point. In the same light of what he said about denying yourself, he said, Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He says, I want you to put my kingdom values first. Put my, the laws and commands of my kingdom. That's how you live your life. Make that how you live, not, not the others. And my righteousness, my definition of what is right and what is wrong. And you live that way and all the other things, I'll take care of the rest of your life. But verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And somebody said, Amen to that, right? This whole idea of anxious, we're troubled with our cares. It's so much the opposite of denying yourself. Where we take our eyes off our own interests, being anxious, that's all you see are your own interests. I, I, I've got to see how it can work before I can have any, any peace or comfort. And Jesus says, just look to me. Put my kingdom first. He, as he's preparing them for times of, of testing, times of persecution. And so it's, it's, more, it's so important that right now that we need to settle it right now. You know, uh, that we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. The more our culture, the more society, the more the laws of this land, the policies that are, that are being implemented reject God, that, 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 that oppose biblical values. Let's just make sure that we recognize I'm, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because we as believers, we are citizens of a higher kingdom than the United States of America. Right? That His laws and His rules... Uh, overrule that those of any nation you, you could be part of. And we submit ourselves to our leaders only so far as they do not tell us to either not do what God told us to do or tell us to do what God told us not to do. When they get into that area, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm serving his kingdom. Amen? This, this false understanding of Romans 13 and other places that we just have to submit, submit, submit. No way. <laughs> Not at all. Um, in fact, we need to stand up. Uh, amen? Some things that are coming down the road that, that, that will challenge us, and even in this light of being anxious about tomorrow. Uh, you've probably heard about the uh, central bank digital currency that uh, they, they want to have. Uh, China is very much uh, in process of actually having that, and which is total government control of your money. They know everything. You, they know if you buy a stick of gum at the Seven Eleven, which we don't have any in this area, do we? Um, 
but they'll, they'll know if, if you bought a box of uh, 9mm FMJ, you know, ammo. They'll know that. Uh, they'll know everything about you. And like in China, they're already doing the, the, the social credit score. They got probably as more cameras watching uh, the, the citizens of China, the wonderful people of China. The Chinese people are wonderful people. They're not communists. They're, they're oppressed and ruled by communists. But the Chinese people are wonderful people. But there's probably more cameras watching them than there are people in the United States of America. And the government, it's with their facial um, recognition uh, software, and they recognize people that everybody's got a, got a tag on them. And they, they watch you, who you're with, and they can pick up what you're saying. And if, if you're behaving as you're supporting the party, you, your credit score goes up. If you're not, if they think you're going in the wrong place, they don't like where you're going, and these things, then it goes down. They, and then they restrict your ability to buy things based on if they think you're behaving. That's happening now in China, right? Yeah, and travel. Yeah, right. You won't travel. Um, and, and if they just don't like you enough, they take all your money out of your bank account. And you're, you, have, you have no power. You cannot buy or sell unless you have the approval of the Communist Chinese Party. Well, in the UK, their finance minister just... I just saw her say this thing that people in the UK can't spend more than a thousand pounds in cash or that's all you can spend after that it has to be the digital currency and if you do if you don't let's say if you spend more than that you can be arrested and put in jail for up I think it was like six months and coming to a nation near you called FedNow, July 1st. The Federal Reserve are starting this called FedNow, where uh, it's, it's kind of a trial run, where instead of you paying your light bill, even if you do it online, you, you do online, I'll, I'll go to Inland Power, and I'll send a payment off to them from, you know, from my account to them. But they say, well, sometimes those take two to three days. With FedNow, it will take you six seconds. But what you have to do, you have to take your account, connect it to the Federal Reserve, and then identify who you want to pay. Then the Federal Reserve then sends it to them, and, and they've helped you. But this is the, this is the step towards a, a, a universal digital currency, and once the government has turned all of our cash into a digital currency, we are no longer a nation like we were. America is gone. It's, it's not com- it's, we are not the nation we were even when I was a teenager. Um, do you understand what we're facing? We're not, it's not, I'm not, that's not making this stuff up. It is total control. It, it is paving the way for the Antichrist, a one-world, Antichrist, Luciferian type, type of, of government. I tell you, many generations of believers have thought they were in the last days. I think we're here. Because the technology and the will of very powerful, wealthy people is, is all there of this globalist type of agenda. What that means is we have the chance to live our best life now. 
our best life for Jesus. A life that will count to such an extent its value goes into eternity. And it's not about you getting saved. I mean, if, if, you, if you're away from God, you need to get right with God today. But we're just talking, God has, has placed us here in the opportunity that we might have increased rewards before him because we're willing to, to deny ourselves to such an extent. Uphold his truth, live for his truth, uh, and, and be that light and salt that we're supposed to be. Amen? That's what we're called to do. And quite frankly, the other good news about this, this, this is a sifting time for the body of Christ. Now, I don't like sifting, but quite frankly, that's, it can be a really good thing. For the individual believer, our testings and their trials, what is, it reveals about what we're really made of, doesn't it? I mean, Peter and the, and the 12, they were all shouting their... You know, they're around the, the Passover meal before they went out in the garden that night. And they said, I'll die with you. I'll never deny you. And they're all, everybody was saying the same thing. But just in a few hours later, they're just running like scared little mice, you know, out into the dark. The good thing about that is all of them, it, it, it showed them what was in them. And they repented and God restored them, filled, with, filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they all, except John, gave their lives for the gospel. Testings and, and trials and these kinds of, of things that we are facing that, that we have never seen in this country, let alone this world, really, on a global um, stage, has the potential of making us all His. And if there's things in our life that, 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 that have been compromised, there's stuff in the back closet of your heart and mind, it's time to get rid of it. And God has given you and I an opportunity to get rid of it, that we might know what it means to be in true fellowship with God in ways we've never known before, to, that we might be able to experience His presence and His, His protection and provision in miraculous ways in which we would never know if, if we just lived a comfortable life. We get to live the best life uh, for him now. Um, just think of Daniel and his three friends. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bungalow. What, Meshach, Yershach, and a bungalow. Um, da- da- who was it? Uh, um, another guy had uh, um, Argentina. Argentine. He, he had another name for them. But... Understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, Daniel, some, for some reason, is not in the picture there. He's not even in, in there. So we don't, he could have been off somewhere else. When the, the golden statue and when, you know, when the worship team strikes up the band, everybody bowed down and worshiped the golden image, and everybody did except three. Do you, you know there were more than three Jews in Babylon at that time? There were a whole bunch of them. I don't know how many, but there were many. And they all complied except three. And I don't know about you, you've probably had a time where you shared Christ or you've made some kind of stand. How do you feel afterwards? Something's like, yeah, something's like built up. I believe that the Holy Spirit comes along and says, 
good job. And there's this strength. This, this You stood up for me, I'm standing for you. You weren't ashamed of me, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm bragging to my father right now about you. Amen? And that's scripture. And they were living as, again, as Dr. Lutzer in his books we've been, been studying um, said that he, they were living for eternity, not for time. They were willing to give their lives away. There's a story um, that probably could repeated by others. I don't, I don't remember exactly the, the, the situation, except there were these young men. They were very gifted, very talented, and had a lot of potential, a real success in, the, in, in their world, if it was in preaching or if it was in business or whatever. They were just really, really um, gifted um, uh, young men. But they felt the, the call to go to some very dangerous, godless place where the gospel was not being preached. And um, they sold everything. They did everything they could to go there. And, and some of their friends thought these... You're crazy. You guys have lost your mind. I mean, you could, we could use you here. You're so gifted and blah, blah, blah. Don't, don't you know? You could be killed. And their response was, we've already died. Our life's already over. And it's just to live it out for God. It's what it means to live dead. To live for eternity and not for time. Like I said, you don't have to win in this world to win in eternity. Amen? The church has always been and will always be the conscience of the nation. That's why it's so important that the church be alive, be uh, revived, know who their God is, and know what His Word says. Amen? Amen? Because that's the only way that we can lead those in darkness into his marvelous light. That's what light is. You know, I don't know. We turn these lights on and these lights seem to not distinguish between one part of the room to the other. Right? Do you ever know in a light to just only shine in the, in the Christian corner of community? No. Everything is revealed for what it is. Everything. The same thing with, with, with the Word of God. It shows everything as it really is. And we need to be able to help people see things as they really are. No, boys cannot become girls. Just not possible. Likewise, salt. Salt doesn't even try. It's, it would be unnatural for salt to not keep meat from decaying. It would have to not be salt anymore. This is who Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So do it. That's, I added that in case, in case you weren't sure. And we look at this world today and, and our, our, how our, our culture is, is, is deteriorating. I was talking with some of the pastors that we have, uh, put together the, the Discovery Weekend. We had a few weeks ago their family of faith community church. <clears throat> and... Um, even talking about the, that prayer group, um, just rewriting their whole purpose statement. We get, used, we get to thinking this incrementalism kind of thing. We think that 
Well, we made a little bit of, pro- a few more people are praying. If we just pray a little bit longer, maybe get a few more churches praying. Okay. And somehow that that's good. That we get satisfied with that. And then somebody finally wakes up and goes, looks outside. Things are worse now than they were a few years ago. Things are Things haven't got better. With all our decreeing and declaring this gone on by so many people that using that phrase as if that's a magic phrase. We're worse off than we ever were as a nation. All the binding and loosing of this spirit and that over our communities. With a, if we could, it would work. America is farther from God than it's ever been. And quite frankly, the church in America is farther from God than she's ever been. We got to get back to what it means to be the light and be the salt. I mean, we to talk about the issues of the day, we've gone so far beyond some political platform. Today, the difference is between righteousness and wickedness, right? It's between purity and perversion, between what's natural and what is fantasy. We're, we're, we're deciding the difference between science and make-believe, biology and baloney, normal and crazy, what's holy and what is profane. We're, we're not talking about political uh, ideology, a little version of this No, we're talking about righteousness and wickedness. When you've got leader, uh, the resident of the White House, a, a corrupt individual, I do not apologize for saying that. Because he has lied. He has said everything he had to. You could go back and find everything he said one here, and then and he completely contradicted himself here, and all these kind of, and so many, our, our political system is so corrupt. And it's not just one party. But you, def- you definitely got one party out there that is demanding we take the life of unborn children at every stage of development. Not to mention the sexualizing of our children. They think, they think little four-year-olds four know what gender they are. And in certain states who have put put forth, legislatures have put forth uh, uh, a proposed law to protect minor children from gender-affirming care, which means give them drugs that will chemically castrate them and sterilize them or and then go even so far as to surgically mutilate their bodies of minors. That in, in, these, in these states, every single Democrat voted against protecting minors from that. Listen, we're, we're not talking politics. We're talking evil. If it's, if it's abortion, if it's transgender stuff, even the COVID shots. Children were like bulletproof proof from COVID, and yet they are demanding to, to give six-month-old kids these shots that they're dying, and, and, they're, and all horrible things are happening, not to mention the, the, the multi-exploding multi, uh, those who are dying suddenly, these kind of things. We, we could keep going on. That. And, and who is in the crosshairs of all this stuff? Our children. I told the school superintendent, um, wonderful guy, 
and not like I had to oppose them. I just told them, because policy 3211P is very much about this whole transgender stuff and, and even to the point of keeping uh, the parents from knowing about what the child is confused about and, and these kind of things. And, and that just starts them on the road to what I just talked about. I said, you know, I'm just not going to back off of this thing. I can't because if we're not talking about adults anymore. Adult wants to do that. I mean, that's kind of okay. That's different. But these are children who have no voice. And how could I say that I'm light and salt and not be concerned about the children who have no voice, who are being victimized, who are being groomed, whose identities are being stolen there and their purities are being taken away? Shame on any church, any believer who. Who's, who, who cowers back in the corner because they, they don't want to get political when it's actually life and death for that child. Actually a generation. I believe it's, it's, it's what are you willing to stand up for? we got to recognize there, there's there's a an evil thing happening across this nation. I talked, priest from Second uh, Thessalonians 2 talked about how God, for those who perish because they re- love, refuse to love the truth and so be saved, the next thing says God then sends a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie and then be condemned. I believe that we, how else, what else would a powerful delusion look like except this incredible, I mean, professional sports and sports organizations and governors. I mean, smart people think that a six-foot-two man is a woman and should be competing in women's swim sports and and wants to tell anybody who doesn't think otherwise that, that somehow we're evil. But even more so, the, the pronoun police, you know what, kids... Kids, uh, this is Psychology Today. We're reporting this. I, I just saw this. Um, that more and more kids are turning on their parents. They are using derogatory uh, labels to their parents, calling their parents breeders. And the youth are, 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 are sounding transgender-type words like they're scripted. That the parents saying they're scripted. They're, they're wooden, verbatim, word-for-word stuff. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that the day will come when, when, when children will turn on their parents. And even now, among the, them, to be cis, which I don't know where that word came from. Cisgender, which just means you're a man and you know you're a man and you're happy, you, you know. You're, you're normal, you're natural. That anybody who is cis is evil and unsupportive, the most evil of categories in our society today. Psychology Today, they talked about that they believe this, this social contagion, which is what transgenderism, when you've got whole groups of, of teenage girls all of a sudden becoming, saying they're transgendered together. This is not... 
a biological thing. This is, this is a, a social contagion that's happening. And they said this is a, a maladaptive coping mechanism. These kids have no doubt had trauma in their life, social maladjustment, if you will. And young girls, I, I mean, guys, we have our own issue, but, but young girls go through a, a traumatic time as their bodies changes and all these demands of culture and, and appearance and all these things. I, God, have, I just pray for mercy upon our young girls, what they have to go through. Uh, uh, and, and and now with the the the, the proliferation of of, I mean, how many kids have got a got a portal to pornography right in their back pocket? And so much of this stuff that has been been poured on them. They need a well defined body of Christ who has who knows their God, the truth of God the life of God, the forgiveness and the mercy of God. He, he blows away all the clouds of confusion. Amen? When they come to know the one who gave their life, uh, life for him. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, and we're in that day. And we need to speak up. Isaiah 58, you know, that's where... where, where um, God speaks to the Israelites through Isaiah and says, your fasting is, you know, they were complaining, hey, we're fasting all this time and God's not doing anything. And then God says, is it that the kind of fast they want? Well, you just bow your head, you don't eat, and all you do is complain anyways. It's not a fast. You know the fast I want? Verse 6, he says, is, this, is, is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke and set to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. These ideologies, these demands of conformity to one ideology and, and rejection of it, these are the bonds and the yokes of our current society. You better not speak up or we're, we're coming after you. The kind of fast that God is looking for, that you and I would be the ones who would step and say, not on my watch. I'm here to set them free. And if that wasn't enough, did you know that now 2 plus 2 equals 5? The Ontario Mathematics Coordinators Association. Uh, so now say that 2 plus 2 no longer equals 4. Um, they consider that equation to be a white supremacist dog whistle instead of basic math. According to a webinar they just had recently, the president, Jason 2, T.O., said um, that those who use that phrasing, two plus two equals four, four, are engaged in an act of covert white supremacy. It's what happens when a nation rejects God. When God is dead, then anything goes. How many know that God's not dead? <laughs> yeah. We got something on them. Right? We see everything that's happening is, is, a, re, is a result of a, of, a, of a people have turned from God. Sadly, there are, we know in America there, there are many in the American church who want to avoid any kind of suffering. They want to avoid not being liked. We, you know, I, I mean, I want to be liked. Do you want to be liked? Yeah, sign me up. I want to be liked. But not at the expense of my integrity or my faith. But so many, we want to be called contemporary, culturally relevant. We don't want to be judgmental. 
And quite frankly, the bigger the church, the bigger the pressure to not rock the boat, right? Because the big givers are going to be the first ones out the door. And that has always happened to me. <laughs> Just a side note. I've had some moments where I had to make a stand on something. Um, nothing new, but I just, you know, like, like one in particular was, I will not apologize for the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. I understand that the tongues is not the baptism, but I'm not going to apologize for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not going to do that. And so what we, I taught a, a biblical thing on that, and sure enough, my biggest givers walked out the door. Every time. And yet I keep eating. God's going to take care of you. He said, don't be anxious. What did he say, right? Don't be anxious about it. You, you put me first. Hold up my word, not your word. Can be concerned about my pleasure, not the pleasure of those in the seats. And I'll take care of the rest. He's my employer anyways. You aren't. Right? And the same for you. George Orwell, in his book 1984, talked about this very thing. When the government came along and convinced people that 2 plus 2 was 5. As I wrap up, and the alarm has gone off, I will wrap up. But there are others who are rising up and saying enough is enough. And I think another thing to be excited, I I do believe. I didn't sign up for this. But we are now here able to live our best life for Christ now. To see God do things we've never seen him do. In and through you. Not just, it, it can't be just through some uh, a select celebrity or lead person. God it wants to empower the body of Christ to be his light and his salt. To be the hand of his power, of his, of his deliverance, of his healing, of his salvation, of his filling with the spirit. He wants to do that and we get to be that. We're in that place and these things that are go- coming on around us are all like God is saying, where are you going to stand? Like he asked his disciples in Matthew 16, who do people say that I am? Said this, that. He says, right, what about you? Who do you say I am? And God is asking us, who do you say I am? Who is it that you're serving? Are you serious? Because you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to be willing to say who you're serving. And... Um, and the other great thing about it is before every great, almost before every, not in every case, but in most cases, wherever there's a, a great awakening, right beforehand, society was in more than disarray. It was collapsing. Places like Almalaga, Guatemala, in one of the documentaries we have from the Sentinel Group. I mean, there, it was abuse and alcoholism and crime and demon, demonization things. In the, in the northern Arctic, in the Inuit communities, a suicide. 50% of the young people were committing suicide. And uh, any girl, by the time she reached 18, they were all, had all been sexually abused before their 18th birthday. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Well, that's horrible right now. And if, if that's what it takes to wake up the church, then let it be. Because when, when, when the church wakes up and God revives his church and begins to move to the people who have truly denied themselves and stopped living for themselves and says, I, my life is all yours. Do whatever you want with me. Then the power of God comes in and, and just knocks out the works of wickedness right at the knees. 
And some of the very promote, promoters of wickedness become the very preachers of righteousness. That's what Paul's name was Saul, and God got a hold of him. And the things that went bad were, were corrupting God demonstrates his power because, as I said many times, I'll say it again, that our lives, our purpose for our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, is that God will get glory out of your life and nobody else. It says, God, get glory out of my life, which means I put no parameters on that. I make no conditions to that. Whatever that means, and I'm, that I don't understand that it's a little, 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 uh, Shaking inside to say that. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to stand before you, God, and and you know that you got glory out of my life. That my life brought you glory. And that will be worth it all. Whether my church is ever full or not, it's not so important. God, would you get glory out of my life? Right? I don't have to win in this world in the eyes of others. To win in heaven, and same is for you. And so, for us to do this, and I just this last passage, and we done well, sort of. You might think, all right, well, we just need to get together and be bold and say we're going to believe God and we're going to do this. I don't think that's where we should go because there's been plenty of that going on for decades, and America is not changed. I think we need to take a. a a page, uh, a lesson from Joshua chapter 7. Joshua had led the Israelites. They had defeated Jericho, great victory, and walls came down, and the first great victory, you know. And then they had the little town of, over the hill of Deer Park, or I mean Ai. Little Ai. Small, walled city. And without really praying or asking God, they just said, small group, just send 3,000 men. That's all. And so they did. And they got routed. About three dozen Israelites were killed. And they come back with the tails between their legs, the Israelites. And, and, and Joshua goes, falls on his face and is crying out to God, what's going on? The other kings are going to hear about this. They're going to all rally together. Come, They're going to wipe us out and you're going to have no name anymore. As if, how foolish that sounds to say it. And he says, oh, what's going to happen? And he says, get up off the floor. What are you doing down there? There's sin in the camp. Verse 11, it says, they've taken the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their belongings. I believe in the church today, we have stolen, we have lied, we have put things in our hearts, our lives, and our homes that do not belong there. Since they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted to destruction. They've embraced the things of this world that I said to get rid of. They've embraced, we as, a, as believers, embrace the very things that God has judgment for. Says Israel cannot stand before their enemies. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things among you. And I would say... I'm probably to, as your pastor, 
I haven't sought God with all my heart. I just know I haven't. So I've been as much an obstacle as anybody. But I don't want to live that way, do you? I want him to have all of me. Do you? And I want to give us an opportunity here in just a moment to do that. To tell Jesus, take all of me. And that even right now, while you're sitting there, if he wants, if he can expose, if there's something in your tent, like in Achan's tent, what a great name, Achan, how the Israelites were Achan because Achan had taken the devoted things and hid him in his tent after Jericho, and that, that that's what brought the judgment. Get the things out of our tent. We can't play church. We can't keep the mask on. I'm not saying you need to divulge all your dirty laundry to everybody. But we need to be honest with God and honest with one another. If we want God to revive his church, he says, then you need to listen to me and give your life to me. To deny ourselves. Because as we do that, and this is what this whole Discovery Weekend is. That's what this, this, this small little book, Returning to Holiness, is about. About us cleansing our hearts and our minds so that God would come and visit His church in a truly transforming, reviving, healing way. That we make ourselves attractive to God. I didn't say we make ourselves perfect. I didn't say somehow you earn anything. I'm just saying he knows what's in your life and in your heart. He knows what's got to go. And so let's say yes, Lord. And as we do that, he will come. Amen. Amen. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of your sin, but he'll also cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. John 3:17 God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Amen. Therefore it is by grace through faith that you're saved not by works that you've done so that no one may boast. This is how we come. But in this day Jesus is saying I want my church to truly be my church. Be my people. We stand. And if you'd want, uh, buddy, you can, you can just play the keyboard instrumentally right now. But just, and I, I can't even prepare this message without having to examine myself. We need his help in everything, don't we? But if we'll come to him in this way, on his terms, I believe he's going to embrace us and do stuff inside of you and I that we never thought he could do.
and begin to use his church in ways we have only dreamed of. To see the, the, the manifestation of the, of the goodness and the power of God around us. Among our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors. Only God knows what the extent to which he can pour out his spirit upon this land. So are you ready to live your best life now? <laughs> Just bow your head. If there's anything in your heart God has been putting his finger on, anything in your, in your mind, in your home, that you know displeases the Lord, this is your time. I don't want us to go anywhere right now and you just give God the time to, to put his finger on it. I want you to tell him. Confess it to him. Determine if, if there's some action that needs to happen. This is not a time, church, for us to play church. The stakes are too high. The time is too short. And God comes to you and I because he loves us and he loves those who are trapped in the wickedness around us. And he wants to use us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, examine our hearts. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Cleanse us, Lord.